This is the Skin Science Podcast. I'm Dr. Thomas Hitchcock, and here we'll investigate everything skin science and dissect it from a scientific perspective, analyze it from a medical perspective, critique it from a consumer perspective, and give insight from an industry perspective. everyone and welcome back to the podcast. I am Dr. Thomas Hitchcock and with me in the studio I have Angela Wilson McDonald. I'm on a roll. Jenkins Heimerschmidt or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Just three names, not four. Okay. Uh, how are you doing, Angela? I'm great. All right. I know you're yes. anxious to get out of here. You have some fun stuff oh, that happens well, Friday night. Oh, well, you know, it's Texas and it's football season, uh, yeah. so what can you say? Football, bring a book. <laughs> All right. Um, anyway, and we also have Dr. Jose Maldonado with us uh, yeah. leading the topic today. How are you doing, Jose? Doing great. Just hanging out with you guys and having a good time. Yes, mm-hmm. indeed. He knows how to get a race. And then we <laughs> We have in the back in the peanut gallery, we have Ndashe Kamungu. All right. I've said it Uh-oh. at least five times she, today, so I think I might have gotten it. Yeah. But she looked a little hesitant. She looked very <laughs> hesitant. I think you might have missed it that time. All right. And then it we have nice Seti and Alan, our producers. And then Dr. Brian Jones is in the other room. Uh, he's mad at us. I think. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he's got stuff that he's working on. And so... We uh, wanted to. We were so enthralled with the topic that Jose had picked out last time about the fact that we believe that there's more and more evidence that uh, there uh, is an association with species of fungus that live on the skin uh, and uh, the uh, occurrence of acne vulgaris, as well as truncal acne and, and uh, fungal acne, which we were well aware of. Uh, and so, tell us, Jose, what is the evidence that it's actually associated with vulgaris versus just truncal acne? So one of the things that's associated is that we keep finding it. We first we find it in the lesions, so that's going to tell us something of the face. For of the face, yes, of the face, multiple different. And once again, not we want to be specific. It's strains, specific strains of this species. We found it on the face. Once again, we, we keep finding that if C. acnes, why do we C. acnes uh, gets all the blame, but we actually find less of it and more of this fungal yeast when we're comparing numbers. Okay. So you, you said that in the last yeah. episode, right? So why is that important when it comes to how we treat like, or how we diagnose? Mm-hmm. So one of the reasons we, we want to treat is because one of the things that keeps getting thrown at acne is one of the first line of defense is antibiotics. When you go see a doctor. That's right. Uh, antibiotics. And Angela, you were saying. Oh, yeah. yeah it was, it's see it an, firsthand. You see it as yes. first antibiotics. And if it was truly a bacterial infection, then you know, the antibiotics will wipe it out and we, nobody would have acne. I mean, now we have uh, res- resistant strains of antibiotics. It, that's one reason. But, you know, we most people going back before they were there, nobody would have acne because the antibiotics would have knocked it out. Just how antibiotics knocks out any other bacterial infection. But it doesn't. And in some people, it doesn't do anything. It sticks around. That tells us it's, it's just not a bacterial infection. There's At least more it's to not the simply it's bacterial. bacterial. It's more yeah. to the story. And Angela, did you, we were talking and you asked me this question. You said... There's something like a benzoyl peroxide that my daughter used. Can that kill these and uh, can this kill the yeast that's causing that could be causing the acne? And I, I right. you stunned me, and I was like, I don't know. I was Is that like, what you asked? I did. Okay. Yeah, she asked me that. In a separate and, conversation. Yeah. Okay. you weren't there. Yeah. <laughs> and I you was, have a life without me. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> you exist when I'm not around. Indeed. All right. And I was truly stumped, and I I might have even said no, and I'm like. Probably not because it's marketed. It's all we were told about benzoyl peroxide. It kills bacteria. That's what causes we're told acne, about. causing bacteria. bacteria. But most of the time, they're talking about C acne. Yeah, right? and I was like, 
I don't know. I, I, and you truly stumped me. And I'm like, let me go back into the literature and let's see what the literature says. And where, what I'm finding is that a benzoyl peroxide product could actually be more of an antifungal act, uh, agent oh, than wow. an antimicrobial agent. Okay. And it seems to be better at minimizing and decreasing the numbers, numbers of these uh, yeast ca causing acne or could be causing acne than the actual bacteria. Mm -hmm. And I was like, whoa, this is brand new news to me. Like, I was actually really shocked by this. Well, and if it was Dr. Jones in the seat, he would not be shocked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, but I was truly shocked because, once again, when it comes to these products, I was just taking at face value what we see when we go down the aisle of a drugstore and that says it kills bacteria. And I just assume, like, it kills bacteria. That's all it does, right. you know? Right. You know, I know how it kills the bacteria. It's a free radical. It gets in there and uh, starts messing up with the bacteria. Uh, it gets in there and starts messing with the bacteria DNA, damages the integrity of the bacteria. The bacteria just kind of dies away. But now I'm learning that it could be actually be better at killing antifungals. Um, it, it'd be better as an antifungal in lysing these uh, yeast causing uh, yeast that cause acne. Right. So now we're not gonna we're not making any claims mm -hmm. necessarily that that's ne that is ex knowing. Mm -hmm. that that's the case we but we do know the literature does yeah. say it's an antifungal mm -hmm. so the, the fact is it not is not going to discriminate if you put it in the face it's going to kill fungus as well as bacteria yeah. and based on what we're reading here in some of these studies it's going to kill more fungus than it's going to kill bacteria that being said there's more bacteria on your face than there's fungus mm -hmm. so you can kind of like do the math to, to kind of see where we're going with this so w one thing that we do know and uh, again we have dr day uh on the line and, and we're going to go to her in a, in a few minutes uh, to look at basically how she typically treats based on whether it's fungus, whether it's bacteria, mm -hmm. whether it matters, because frankly, I think that's the problem. The problem is that most people assume it's one thing. They assume it's C. acnes. They assume, yeah, it's C. acnes. They don't even think about other bacteria, let alone other species. Mm -hmm. or, I'm sorry, let alone other uh, kingdoms, <laughs> yeah. you know, and so that's as different as you can get, you know, and so uh, I think that's where um, I do know that people have, there is literature about fungal acne, but they don't consider acne vulgaris. They, they consider them two different things. But I think we need to be careful about, uh, you know, falling into this pitfall, which happens throughout history. It's happened mm -hmm. where we have a dogma that we say there's absolutely no way this can change or be wrong. And then, you know, at some point somebody brings something to attention and then they get burned at the stake and then they say, oh, wait, they were right. You know, and then they move on, <laughs> you know, burned so stake. Yeah, you know, like a Pernicus or whoever it was, <laughs> uh, you know, who, who said the world did not. Uh, Galileo? Okay. Yeah, the, the sun didn't revolve around. It was a Galileo. OK, Galileo. Um, anyway, that being said, that's where for me. Um, I look at all this information, and it's not that I have all the answers necessarily. It's that I have enough information that tells me something isn't right with our story that we're being told. And, you know, I for years have been working towards, you know, the microbiome and seeing how we can change the story here knowing that it's being told wrong. But now the microbiome is part of that. Um, and we're probably going to find that the virobiome also contributes because we know there's phage that are specific for certain bacteria and fungus that are also going to be part of that environment, that ecosystem. And just like the wolves, the elks, the bunnies, the beavers, the berries, the trees, the water, and the soil, it's all interconnected. And it has nothing to do with one's better than the other or one's mm, yeah. you know, healthier than the other necessarily. It's the fact that if I get rid of the wolves, 
the elks eat everything, kills everything else off, erodes the soil. These are, and this, of course, I'm, you know, if this sounds like out of left field, it's an analogy I'm using in the book. Yes, that, well, now that, everybody's going to have to go buy the book. Yeah, you're going to have to buy the to book. To understand that yeah. analogy. <laughs> so, but basically, if, 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 if the reason why I bring that up, and even in the book, is because that's the true story of Yellowstone National Park in the United mm -hmm. States, is that they thought, let's get rid of the wolves, and it destroyed the park, basically. The it destroyed it. It was no longer, it didn't have the beauty that it once had. And in 1995, they decided to reintroduce the wolf, the predator, because they said they understood. They ruined the ecosystem mm -hmm. and they were trying to see if they could fix it. And lo and behold, it has begun to heal. And so that's why in the future, I do think that things like reintroducing native skin bacteria of certain, uh, you know, uh, certain strains and such. That would is, be brilliant. It would be brilliant. <laughs> wow. I think that curating the microbiome is actually going to be a thing in the not too distant next week future <laughs> um, where we're going to see that it actually is a similar phenomenon. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think that particular story of Yellowstone National Park is powerful because I think that it, it, it gives us a really nice analogy to the ecosystem that we are. So, Jose, how do you feel about all that? I feel like it's going to be an uphill battle, but we have Angela here who's going to educate people. Like, even myself, I feel like I'm very new. Like, this is all new to me. Like, I took everything at a face value of the story of acne. And now that I'm doing my homework and going into the literature, I'm like, oh, it, there's more to the story. It wasn't as cut and dry as I once thought it was. Um, and we need people like Angela who's going to come in and, you know, ask the tough questions, ask the tough questions <laughs> but no, only just educate the average consumer. Because yeah. if I go talk to my friends right now, they're going to be like, what are you talking about? No, uh, I don't want bacteria on my yeah, face. Get they're it, walking through the aisle just like you yeah. did and following the messaging that they're seeing yeah. in that aisle. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think it's important for us to realize just everything that you just said, everything that we do there's something, there's some type of reaction that it causes. Mm -hmm. Right. For every action, there's an there's equal an and opposite reaction. reaction. It's a fundamental exactly. of physics. So, and that is the same with the treatment of acne. Mm -hmm. We can kill off one thing, but it's going to cause the yeah. overgrowth growth of another thing. We have to start questioning, is that overgrowth associated and not just that, the it, persistence could be, of acne. it could be taking away substance that's very good for us, mm -hmm. right? There's so, it's it's more complex story. And people laugh at me because I have little... I do, I laugh a lot. <laughs> people laugh at me because I have little, uh, you know, phrases that I overemphasize. And they, they say basically like, I roll, you know, you're trying to like sell your story or whatever. But the fact is, there's a reason I say things over and over. Like when I say at the end of Beauty and Bacteria, you have billions of bacteria in your face, and I think that's awesome. I used that when I was pitching my company back in the day when I was trying to get people to listen to me because the fact is I know that people think it's mm -hmm. gross. Mm -hmm. I know that it makes people pay attention that like, do we really? And why do you think it's awesome? Mm -hmm. So that they actually, because that's an antith—it's antithesis, antithesis, antithesis of what you normally would think. Yeah. You would normally say you have billions of bacteria in your face. Scrub them like off. Like let's yeah. get them. Yeah. yeah. Let's get them off. Let's use whatever soap we can get to get, get those out the clean. Stone. You know, let's get ninety-nine percent <laughs> the bacteria off. Oh, you were—it was her joke. She was laughing, not mine. I thought it was my accent. Never mind. All right, you know, it's a tough crowd. Um, <laughs> But, you know, so for me, that's why I say things like that. You know, when I say you should have biome care, not skin care, there's a reason. It's not splitting hairs. There is a reason because we are not just skin. We have a whole ecosystem. And skin care is part of that. You want to care for your skin, but you care for your skin by caring by for the ecosystem. By way of your ecosystem, And yes. so there's a reason I say it. it's not a marketing thing per se, although it is a great marketing thing. But it's not because I'm doing it for marketing. It's doing it because... I want to not be reductive because I think that I know better now because I've done the research 
And so I'm trying to get everybody else to know better too. Right. And so that's what, for me, when I see this information, it's not about casting doubt or saying, making it more complicated for the consumer. It's about saying, you know, if, if benzoyl peroxide works, and we, we know it does, mm -hmm. why does it work? Are we using it the correct way? Because if we're thinking it works the way that it doesn't work, it could be that we're using it in a deleterious way that we'll find out someday that we may have should have used it at much lower percentage or use it at much shorter contact time. We maybe shouldn't have had leave on benzoyl peroxides or, you know, so we don't know until we start to explore why it works. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if we find out that it's not because of bacteria, but it's because of uh, fungals, the real question is, are we doing it right based on that information? And that's where I think we take medicine forward. We're not saying that we're doing it wrong. You know, we just need to take it forward a little bit more. So I think this is a great segue to bring in Doris mm -hmm. and hear a little bit about what she has to say about all the, you know, jibber-jabber that we've had because, you know, we, I speak as a fool. Um, I don't know about you. Yeah, you guys definitely. Yes, you do. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's, let's get Doris styled up and see what she has to say. All right, Doris. Welcome back. Uh, we're continuing our discussion. Thank you for holding on for us. Always happy to be here. And you know, you call, I'll show up. Oh, wonderful. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, like I said, I have some really interesting thoughts on, uh, you know, the fact that we're seeing more and more evidence of, of uh, yeast and, uh, and fungus contributing to acne vulgaris, not just fung what we call fungal acne, and what that means as far as treatment. Now, I want to start by giving you an example of something that I came across a couple of years ago, and it's really kind of stuck with me. And it's one of the things as I've been over the years contemplating what truly causes acne, because there's a lot of stubborn people in dermatology that basically say it is C-acnes. No. <laughs> <laughs> they say it is C-acnes. It causes it. we got to kill C-acnes. That's the only thing. I'm going to give antibiotics. I'm going to use benzoyl peroxide to kill C-acnes. And, you know, even when I talk to them about, you know, the mechanism of things like benzoyl peroxide, I don't believe it's necessarily the antibacterial activity that's necessarily hel uh, helping to get rid of acne because we know it works. So I was, you know, in my quest to find more information about our holobiont, our, our whole ecosystem, I came across this publication. It's actually a correspondence in a journal uh, in May of 1989. And this physician is writing in saying that he has discovered that in three of his patients, two of which were gentlemen on um, a hormone replacement of, with um, testosterone, normal levels of testosterone, around 200 migs per week, injections, they noticed they got truncal acne, which is not atypical on their back. You know, people that take hormones can get that, especially men. Um, but what they noticed was when they took a nice statin for uh, some other reason and about 500 milligrams, uh, one of them was 500 milligrams six times a day through uh, ingestion through water. And then another one was uh, about 250 twice a day, I believe. And they found that when they took the nice statin, the acne would clear completely. And then when they would stop taking the acne, I'm sorry, <laughs> stop taking the nice statin, it would come back. And then they found a woman who had uh, acne as well, and it wasn't because of the same reason because she wasn't taking the hormones, uh, but she was having acne uh, on her face, and, and, and she also had yeah, acne on her face, and she also had vaginitis, which we all know that that's the, the vaginal canal is a very uh, hospitable environment for yeast. It's why a lot of times yeast infections are prevalent in some women. And they found that for her... Uh, when she took the nice statin, five milligram, 500 milligrams six times a day, that again, it would, both conditions would go away completely. And when it would come back, 
when they would stop taking the Nystatin. And that's this that was that last one was the most interesting for me because the truncal one I could understand because a lot of people equate truncal to fungus, but not a lot of people will say that facial acne is contributed to uh, by uh, yeast. And so I wanted to get your take on that. And and of course that's a, those are case studies, but there are other things about benzoyl peroxide I'll get to in a second. But I want to get your take on that and what you know about that and how that makes you respond. Well, I think it makes sense that there's a component of it, but these medicines also can do, it's hard to know if like the whole biome is off and there's an over, overgrowth of a strain. You you can't tell that much from just a few people if there was something of the time of year or something else going on in their body and something else with the testosterone and their their temperature regulation, if they were sweating more, someone who's vaginosis, if there was something else going on with her as well, where in those cases, it might've been yeast that was overgrowing that could look like acne, but wasn't, it was an acne of form eruption, but it wasn't actually acne. And maybe some acne is acne of form, but we can't really tell the difference. And so we call it acne. So the question to me, the bigger question is, is acne always really acne? Or is acne sometimes acne of form, meaning that it looks like acne? I see people who come in with reactions to shampoos and they look like they have acne. It's white pustules on the skin, there's redness, there's some inflammation, but when we change their shampoo, their acne gets better. So it was actually an irritant contact that looked like acne. Right. And we could make it better in different ways. So I think there's a lot that goes on that we're calling acne as a sort of a wastebasket diagnosis, right, right, but it right, isn't right. always acne. Same, I mean, it's kind of a similar situation with atopic dermatitis where there's a lot of different things that they're calling atopic dermatitis, and then they're saying that there's, subs, there's the pseudo-atopic dermatitis. And then the, so I, I think one of the things, the problem is because they're kind of putting them into buckets based on what they think causes them, right? So they're right. saying, so like, for instance, I've had folliculitis and it looks exactly like a bad pimple, but they're like, no, it's not acne, it's folliculitis. But I'm like, well, what's causing? And they're saying it's an overgrowth of a bacteria. I'm like, well, isn't that what you're saying that acne is supposed to be too? And so it's like, you know, it's it's kind of this, you're, you're splitting hairs, no pun intended. I don't know yeah. if they're, but uh, you know, you're, <laughs> you're splitting hairs about, you know, uh, what a disease state is based on, you know, what is what is the definition of acne vulgaris? And you can't say it's C. acnes anymore because we know that's not the case. And the fact is we're having a lot of this evidence that's saying it's fungal, possibly fungal related as well. And so I think in the field of dermatology, as a skin scientist, I'm having to reboot the way that I think about these disease states, because we're learning that if you look at it holistically as the ecosystem, you cannot simply use old science right. and move forward. You have to start thinking about it as I'm now knowing more information that's telling me that it's not consistent with what we thought was driving this disease state. And so I look at something like that, and you're right, it's anecdotal because it's three individuals, but given all the genetic um, metagenomic information is coming out. It's starting to change the way in which I particularly think about how we should look at somebody's disease state and how we should choose how to treat them. Because we know that a lot of acne that you were throwing antibiotics at it and it's not necessarily helping. And so the fact no, is- we're doing even worse. Right. There's new devices that are coming out that are trying to destroy or markedly diminish sebaceous glands. Those yeah. sebaceous glands do good things for us. And there, I don't know that I really want to eliminate them or uh, or markedly reduce them. I want to 
maybe change the way they're stimulated and change the environment that they're in. But I don't, we're, we're going back to the old days where we used to use x-rays just to destroy organs in the skin. I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> no, and it's, it's horrifying to me, yeah. but these products are hitting the market and there's two of them coming now. Yep. Yep. And I'm, I'm going to follow the data and see what happens long term, but I don't know how that skin is going to age. Right. I agree with you 100%. I think that it's one of those things in medicine, again, where we're we're going to take a step backwards because um, I think those devices may be great for like sebaceous hyperplasia or something, you know, when you when you have an overgrowth and you need to zap it or something, but holistically to get rid of all of your- As a niche product. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's, and that's the, that's the case where like when you look at medicinal leeches or something, you know, they once were used for everything and then now they're used very niche uh, for microsurgeries and such so i would say 100 percent let's move to benzoyl peroxide real quick for sake of time because i don't want to run out of time because dr maldonado has some more to say on this topic as well um but uh you know with benzoyl peroxide i have been fighting uh to get people to think of it differently because the thing is it's a tool that is if you think of what it is it's a free radical and it's going to kill things, uh, you know, and we don't need to be leaving it on our skin. It's just one of those things that will wash off. It's more than fine. You want whatever is on the surface uh, that is going to be liable, uh, labile for that uh, to be killed. And that would be something like a yeast. And we can, in the literature, Dr. Maldonado here brought to my attention, because uh, I've been thinking about benzoyl peroxide for the longest time, and what it truly does, it gets rid of acne, because we know it works, right? And so uh, it's, uh, and what he found was that the, the science is now showing that when you compare bacterial, uh, antibacterial and antifungal activity of benzoyl peroxide, it's almost better as an antifungal. And so with all this evidence, I'm starting to think we should maybe take a look and, and, and maybe question, is it really acne-causing bacteria or is it anti-causing fungus? Or is it the interaction between the bacteria and the fungus? Or what is it? We need to really start to think about all that we thought we knew because at this point, uh, we could be doing like what you said. We could be actually doing ourselves a disservice by not using the wrong treatments, but by using the treatments wrong. What do you yes. think? Oh, I think that's exactly, exactly right. And so perfectly said, it's not the wrong treatments, but it's we're using the treatments wrong and maybe sometimes for the wrong people. Right. So with one, looking at the person in front of you, what is happening in their skin? What does their acne look like? What's the distribution? How old are they? When did it start? What triggered it? Looking at what in the environment you can affect directly. What changes were there? You know, are they having a very high processed food, high sugar diet, that, that might lead you more towards the fungal side of acne rather than the bacterial side of acne. And we we need to take those things into consideration, look for patterns and trends, and then understand that benzoyl peroxide has a lot of different activity. It's not specific for bacteria. It also has some anti, I mean, for, for C acnes, it's broader spectrum. And also it has some anti-inflammatory activity and it could be affecting the environment in general where both bacteria and fungal elements grow right. and may uh, may not make it so promising for them to survive. Right. So it can, it can do so many different things. And then it's the concentration of benzoyl peroxide. Right. We're learning we don't need that high a concentration. And if you go too high, you're going to irritate the skin, which can make things worse. Right. So there's a lot to take into account, which is why you see a physician who thinks about those things. And as the end person using it, 
you just have to know that there's a reason why we come up with the formulas that we do when we add in a retinoid or a salicylic acid and a benzoyl peroxide at different times of day, the combinations in which we use them and how we hydrate and protect the skin along with it. Even how you uh, exfoliate or pat your skin dry rather than rub it. All of those things have an impact on your skin biome and how your skin responds to the treatments that you use. Hundred percent, and also re remember, uh, benzoyl peroxide is also slightly keratolytic, and so it can actually also help to exfoliate gently. Um, so, Doris, uh, again, uh, lots of pearls of wisdom there. Again, I think one of the things that you and I would agree on is that we don't know everything, <laughs> um, but we—it's not about knowing everything; it's about doing the best with what you know. And so, um, uh, as always, we appreciate you, and I can't wait to see you at the ASDS when we unveil. Yes, I'll be there when we unveil our our big thing. So exciting! <laughs> All right, thank you, Doris. Talk soon. All right, that was great information. As always, we love Doris, and I think you know part of. Um, you know, I've been I've been working with Doris coming on a decade, probably more than a decade now, at least a decade. Um, she was one of the first people to uh, even before I approached you with Zycrobe, she was working with me, and um, she basically was ones that said, "I don't get it, but I get you, and I'm going to mm, listen to you I and, love that. And, yeah. and see what the story is." And because I think that's where um, a lot of people you're talking about, like the consumers walking down yeah. the aisle and saying, "I." had no reason not to believe you know yeah. and that's the that yeah. the fact is there are certain people in this world <laughs> like myself who kick who shoot myself in the foot sometimes because i am a skeptic um, about no. pretty much everything <laughs> uh and so it's one of those things i'm a skeptic because i uh when i was a young child one of the things that you could say to me that caused me to go on a tantrum was because i told you so I hated that answer my whole life because the thing is, I just wanted to know why. I wanted to know why I got to go to bed. <laughs> I, I want to know why I can't watch TV. I want to know why I don't stick my finger in the light socket, you know? And of course, sometimes I did things where I found out for Learned myself. Out the hard way. Yeah. Yep. And for me, sometimes, sometimes that's a bad thing. Sometimes you need to just trust, right? That the, the person that's telling you knows. But other times, and that's why I got my PhD, because... When you get a PhD, you're supposed to be the expert in any niche of whatever you're studying. And I felt that the only way that I'm going to get to the why is if I become the expert. Mm. If I'm the one that actually has enough knowledge to actually interpret things with, the, with all the information that we have in today's world. And now, of course, I'm not claiming I'm an expert on everything. Um, there's no way I could ever be that, and there's not, nobody could. But the fact is why you get 12 years of education is not because you just want a fancy few letters behind your name. You do it because you want to uh, satiate your curiosities. You want to know how the world works, what makes things tick. And for me, that's where, uh, you know, I work well with, with Doris, and that's for me why I don't blame the consumers, because consumers are trusting that the people that are selling them things are not lying to them. Unfortunately, that's most more often than not not true. It's that we, and it's not that it's a lie. It may not it's be an intentional. Well, and it may not be intentional. It may be based on what we know today. And also, is the, fact the messaging is matching that information. What we yes, don't understand is that correct. medicine is always progressing. That's correct. And you're just talking about medicine. I'm talking about like consumer goods Cons in general. Right. Where you know, for instance, 
um, most of the people that make consumer goods are not scientists. They didn't do research. They just know that this is the They're the meeting line. a need mm, or, yeah. des or a desire exactly. of the consumer. Right. So, like, for instance, people that make breakfast cereals, do you think they're actually always doing these studies to show what a well-balanced diet, sh diet should be? <laughs> no. They know that in such and such a year, the uh, USDA said that this is the food pyramid, and they said this is what we can say, yep. and we're going to take advantage of that line and spin it however we can to sell you my Fruityos. You know? And so that... I don't blame them for that. They're doing what they should be doing, and they're doing it with the guidance of whoever's in charge. It's right. supposed to be the experts. But the fact is, experts, myself included, for whatever expertise I have, um, are not always right. I'm never, I'm not always right. No, I'm, I'm not never right, but I'm, I'm not always right on everything, nor is any expert, nor is n any, every physician, um, n you know, nor is any everything, uh, whatever you want to put in that blank. And so that's why you need skeptics in the world. You need people to always need to ask the question why, because not everybody is going to. Not everybody has the the energy to, or you know, some people are just way too busy with their doing other things in order to ask always ask why. So we need somebody to ask why for us, and that's where you know people that are more um, academically curious, like Doris, like myself, like Jose, like you as well, because you also ask the questions like you did to, to right. Dr. Maldonado. Right. I know just enough to be dangerous. Right. Well, <laughs> that, to ask the tough questions. Well, that, the thing is also knowing who to ask, right? Right. Because... I'm curious, too, from a different perspective, right. but I'm mm -hmm. curious, too. I want to know better. I want to do better. Right. So and, I'm always asking the questions. And I think that's also... As the, most consumers should. As they should, but they don't always, but unfortunately. But they don't always, yeah. And I, one of the things that I... T you know, my father just had a uh, pacemaker put in because he was having some episodes where he was uh, having some um, arrhythmias and such, and... One of the things that, you know, I told my stepmom when she was a little, like, concerned that, um, like, they were going to put it in without, you know, and she didn't know whether his physician or his cardiologist had been. And so I was a little, I basically said, look, you and my father, you and my dad are, are your best health advocates. Nobody's going to want to take care of you more than you. So you, as a consumer, need to do your own homework. You cannot trust that everybody uh, that makes every product has your best intentions mm -hmm. in mind. And that includes medicine. Right. You know, you have to realize that medicine uh, is a business as well as, you know, there are physicians that want to do good, but the, the companies that make stuff, they, they want to do good too. Don't get me wrong. But it is also a business. And a lot of times they're not going to ask why for you. You know, you have to ask why for yourself. It's not the company's responsibility. It's not the physician's responsibility. Well, in some sense it is. But it's your responsibility to ask why because you're the one that is affected the most. Mm -hmm. And so it, it is up to you. And it is, if you don't want to, you don't have to. But for me, it gets me in trouble a lot, like, mm -hmm. you know, for asking why when I shouldn't. I know, I get really upset. <laughs> <laughs> but it also helps me a lot because it helps me to take me in directions where I maybe buy something that, you know, duped me as well. And then I realize, Oh, I forgot to show that, didn't I? <gasps> oh, no. This. No, this <laughs> actually, okay, we'll end it with apple. this because we're at the end of our hour, but I had forgotten to do this. This is the puzzle of the uh, episode here. This is actually, and it's taken apart because dear old Angela solved it. And I couldn't figure out how to put it back together. <laughs> and so I have. I solved one. So anyway, I've got this one is, under my belt. This is uh, the uh, Apple, I believe, by um, Will Streblos, and he actually is a well-known puzzle maker. This is actually a very uh, simple puzzle. It's just basically a, a take apart, but. Um, no, it was very, very, very difficult. <laughs> Very difficult. I can't figure out how to put it back together. Diminish my my <laughs> anyway, accomplishment. Anyway, um, you know, thank you, audience, for your eyes and ears. 
Um, if you want to find us uh, or ask us any other questions, please visit our Instagram or our social media at Crown Laboratories. Or you can go to our website at crownlaboratories.com where you can find all these videos uh, that, you can t that we talk about all these subjects. Or if you want to look at me specifically and try to get in touch with me, uh, you can find me at dr.t.hitchcock on Instagram um, or you can go to dochitchcock.com. Uh, again, uh, keep asking why. And we thank you for your eyes and ears. We hope that you learned something and can glean something from this discussion. And we will see you again next time. Thanks for watching. Bye, Bye everyone. For now.